This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Frank Gasparini, Executive Vice President and CEO of the National Council of Agricultural Employers. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS Inc. is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. CHS is diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. Frank Gasparini with the National Council of Agriculture Employers joins us next here on the Open Mic. What does it mean to be relevant in today's global agriculture marketplace? To CHS, it means having the people and facilities in place to deliver U.S. grain to a feedlot in South Korea or investing in energy production and distribution to help ensure dependable fuel supplies for our local communities. In fact, we've invested more than $1.4 billion on our owner's behalf to make sure we stay relevant now and end of the future. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Many see a shortage of agriculture workers as a threat to the nation's overall food security and competitiveness of U.S. farmers. Frank Gasparini, Executive Vice President and CEO of the National Council for Agriculture Employers, says a coalition has formed and is gaining voices calling on Congress to bring about comprehensive immigration reform. More and more groups have joined our Ag Workforce Coalition over the last two years with the understanding that, yes, we can, we can look for small tweaks, we can look for small legislative victories, but in the end, the only way to provide a stable and predictable workforce for agriculture is going to be a fairly large immigration reform process that has to happen in Congress. And that immigration reform process has to address the legal status of our current workers, and it has to be able to provide an ongoing, long-term way for us to bring foreign workers in, at least temporarily, to meet the needs of labor-intensive agriculture. President Obama took some action by executive order on immigration reform. Did that have any effect? He did, and the DACA and the deferred actions have helped us somewhat. They, they've alleviated a problem, probably, uh, probably kept it from being as big a train wreck already as it would have been. Uh, we've had a lot of workers under deferred action. There were a few of the DACA, the younger folks, but not as many of that generation are still in farm work. Uh, so that's helped, but it's not solved the problem because there's no, there's no long-term fix to the short-term worker need, and there's no long-term fix. That could go away on the 20th of January 2017, so farmers can't build their long-term business plans on absolutely being sure of keeping those workers, who are very often managers and supervisors. Some might have said the president's action just muddied the water enough that Congress is even further from taking any action, especially before the election? Well, we've kind of kicked that around, and it just, uh, that's a good theory. The fact is that that immigration has been such a perfect wedge issue for both sides that if the president hadn't done this, then the converse would have been the president hasn't done enough. So, yes, it muddied the waters, but anything anybody does that's a half step that doesn't, take the bull by the horns and address immigration reform is always going to be used by one side or another is the reason that we can't finish what we need to start. One of the leading presidential candidates will leave names off of this conversation has an idea for immigration reform that would eliminate the illegal, send them back out of the country, build a large fence between Mexico and the U.S., uh, 
How would that affect agriculture today? Well, actually, what that particular candidate's saying is not that much different than we've been getting from through the committee process in Congress the last the last couple of years. Secure the border, put more penalties on employers to eliminate the job magnet, uh, do more internal security, and then and, and do mandatory e-verify. And then after we do that, uh, then we'll work on on a good program that. All ag employers, not just the short-term, uh, the 10-month employers like fruit and vegetables, but the dairy folks and the others that need year-round help, then we'll work on a program to get them the help they need. We can't survive that long. People are barely hanging on now. If we went through a process like that, it would be several years before they could ever get to the point of addressing us, if they could. Plus, to be very honest, I think shutting the border down and deporting 14 million people, not just from agriculture, they'd be talking about a million of our workers, but they'd be talking about 10 million resort and restaurant and other service provider workers, and I think that would crater the economy. Former Texas Congressman Charlie Stenholm, before members of the American Farm Bureau a few years ago, said, you can build a 20-foot fence between the two countries, but someone then will create a 21-foot ladder. Uh, that securing the border is not the complete answer. And as you and I have talked before and others have suggested, you're already short of workers. How many illegals are, would you suggest are in the country now that play a critical role in agriculture? Well, I guess two things. First off, you're right about securing the border. Uh, the border is more secure than it's ever been. There are very, very few illegal workers coming across uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, so in agriculture, we've got close to 2 million so-called domestic workers working seasonally in agriculture. It's somewhere between a million and a half and 2.2, probably closer to 2 million. We are still short workers, even with those workers, because they're not as migrant as they used to be. So the U.S. government... Uh, has, says that about 50% of those self-identify as being falsely documented. When, when they get census, when the IRS talks to them, it's about 50%. So that's probably close to a million of those workers. The real fact is it's more like three-fourths because when ICE comes and visits a farm and does an I-9 audit, it's very, very common for a grower to be told uh, or a dairy herdsman to be told, well, Mr. Grower or, or Mrs. Dairy Owner, uh, we've got good news for you. There's no fine for you on your I-9s because you had all the documents you needed. You had driver's licenses. You had Social Security cards. But guess what? They're bad. And you wouldn't know that because you're not a document exit, but we're taking half or three-fourths of your workers away, or they've fled. So the fact is that our domestic workforce of about two million in agriculture is probably up to three-fourths or even more falsely documented. And real verification that could find that uh, and that we could find all the false documents and track them down would put us out of business. It would shift U.S. agriculture to mechanized row crops almost overnight. People go out of business or shift. They wouldn't have any choice. Is this any a symptom of a failed H-2A policy? Uh, no, it, it's a symptom of failure to address immigration as a whole and trying to do small band-aids. The H-2A program is separate and theoretically was designed to alleviate this, but is so cumbersome and so difficult to navigate with your State Department of Labor, uh, the, the U.S. Department of Labor, U.S. Customs and Immigration Service, and the Department of State all having a hand that 
the H-2A program is bringing in about twice as many people now as it was five years ago. It's going to be about a hundred and some thousand, about a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty thousand for 2015 uh, calendar year. Uh, that's less than ten percent of our agricultural workforce. It is so convoluted and so difficult that people generally only enter it if they absolutely have to. They get good workers when they do, and they get legal workers. It's the only legal method for bringing people in, but it's not as predictable as it needs to be. It's expensive because of all the fees you have to pay, and if your workers arrive two weeks late, which is very common, you could lose your crop and still have all of your workers that you have to pay. If you follow policy, is 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 the regulatory load one that can be managed, or is it a challenge, too? It can be managed. It's very challenging, but I'm not saying it's a total train wreck. We will not tell people that the H-2A program is unworkable. It is workable, but it's not workable for everybody. You have to, you have to be prepared to keep really good records. You have to be prepared to live to the absolute letter of the law, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. If you're not prepared to do that, the H-2A program is not for you. There are very, very good agents and attorneys out there that can help people navigate through that and do it every year. There are some not-so-good agents and attorneys out there, too. So you've got to select a service provider well if you're going to enter the program. And you need to have a mindset that the first year is going to be very difficult and very rough. And after that, it gets easier, more profitable, because they get you get very productive workers. But even at all that, the program brings in less than 10% of our agricultural workers. And the problem is that the government infrastructure has not been kept up to date and not been supplied with the funds and the resources it needs to manage this program properly. We've been trying to get the U.S. Department of Agriculture more engaged uh, with a bigger role to be able to put pressure on the other agencies and oversee getting us a good ag workforce because agriculture is their venue, and we believe that they have better opportunity and better ability to focus on our needs quickly. But the infrastructure is is not good, and there were breakdowns. There were two-week delays of getting visas approved this spring, and some people lost lost their crops uh, as a result. Somewhere around 250, maybe 300,000 workers without more resources and without better infrastructure so that DOL and DHSs and the Department of State's computers can talk to one another better. Somewhere around 250 or 300,000 workers, I think the pipeline fills up and just stops. And if we got to mandatory E-Verify and building the wall and cutting off our current supply of domestic workers tomorrow, we'd need a million H-2A workers. And I just don't think the system is equipped. It just doesn't have the resources to be able to process that many. When I talk to fruit producers and vegetable producers, they tell me stories of their crops left on the vine and rottening, wasted food because they can't get workers to harvest. And that's happened again this year with some H-2A growers. My members are generally big fruit and vegetable producers, some with tens of thousands of acres of highly specialized fruits and vegetables. And every year, almost all of them will take a few more acres out of those kind of high-value crops and put them back into corn or soybeans or cotton or peanuts or something that's row crop intensive that they can mechanically harvest so they can focus the workers they have on a few less, more productive acres. And I think when we talked the other day, Jeff, I told you that it's become very common in Washington State in apples, in New York in fruits and vegetables, that you might have five blocks of a variety of apples that are maturing and you only have enough harvesters 
to harvest three-fourths of them. So you go through, and part of your scouting process is to decide which blocks are most profitable to harvest because you get the most highest quality fruit, make the best use of your labor, and which ones you're going to let fall on the ground or which blocks of uh, cucumbers or zucchinis you're going to plow up because you can send your your limited harvest crew into these other blocks and get better productivity out of them. On immigration reform, Bob Stallman, the president of the American Farm Bureau, told me we either find a way to import and to bring in workers or we export our agriculture productivity. We do. In fact, it's even, you can put it even, I, I put it even more bluntly than that, and Bob and I have talked about that. He's he sits on the AWC, the Ag Work Force Coalition, that several of us do. And I like to tell, I've told Congress very bluntly, look, guys, you either figure out how to get us the workers we need to produce our food in America, or we will import our food. And I lived through the late 70s gasoline lines. And, you know, I waited in line for gasoline, and I cut down my driving. But I can't cut down my eating indefinitely. I think it's absolutely an issue of homeland security that we be able to produce our own food in America for our people and to export and sell to others. Talking about legislation, is there anything currently in the works that has any hope in this Congress, or is everything here apparently pointed toward after the presidential election? I think this is going to have to wait until after the presidential election. There are two or three bills floating around in Congress that do parts of what we need, but none of them do everything. None of them address all of agriculture. Uh, if you try to just fix the current H-2A program that only gives 10 months, that does nothing for dairy and other livestock and other year-round businesses. If you limit the number of H-2As but don't do anything about the current workforce, that still doesn't solve our problems. So right now... There are some folks offering, in good faith, some good small fixes, but nothing that can pass the whole House, much less the House and the Senate, before the next election. And whether we get to real reform again in 2017 or not it is still an open question, but it looks more and more like we're back to saying, well, okay, hopefully early in the next presidential term we can get to a big, broad immigration fix that will include agriculture's needs. What are your challenges with an e-verification program? Well, e-verification, uh, not only currently, uh, if it was done right and if it really worked, would eliminate two-thirds or three-fourths of our current workers that we've done I-9 forms on successfully because it would find that their documents are false. There are also some enhancements being proposed to e-verify that would allow or even require re-e-verification of workers who've been with you but were grandfathered in or had been with you for a while and changing some of the requirements, some of the MOUs that companies have with the government on, on e-verify. The thing with e-verification is it would, if it works, it would cut off our work supply by finding all of those who are currently falsely documented that we are able to legitimately call domestic workers right now because we get the documents we need and the only documents we're allowed to demand and so therefore we're allowed to hire them. If we lost those, we'd lose a half million or three quarters of a million workers in agriculture overnight and the H-2A program couldn't make them up fast enough. If you're talking to the candidates for the White House, if you're talking to the leadership in Congress, what's your message on the agriculture workforce, the needed changes in the regulatory structure, and the needed changes in the legislative area for immigration reform? 
Our message is and has continued to be that there are some jobs in agriculture that require significant amounts of labor. There are some jobs that you can never completely mechanize, and it won't, or even those you can, probably won't happen in our lifetime. Picking food, picking fruits and vegetables, some planting, dairy, things like that that require hand labor. Agriculture in the United States has a shortage of workers now. It gets worse every year, and we need legislative action that will provide a framework to stabilize our current workforce and give them some form of legal status. Uh, some people say it has to be a path to citizenship. Others say it doesn't. We need them to be legal to work for us for the next five or ten years. And then we need workable programs that will let us bring foreign workers in for longer than 10 months in most cases, but for both seasonal, temporary, and for year-round jobs legally with a visa that they can come in and work for us legally and then go home. Uh, the visa program needs to be market-based. It has to be flexible enough to meet the needs of producers, meaning there can't be just an arbitrary cap placed on it that says, well, you can have this many because ag, ag uh, need is is flexible it needs to work fast you need you shouldn't have to apply for your workers 90 days in advance if you have a crop failure or a bumper crop you should be able to get workers fast and we think that it should be administered primarily by the USDA who would then work with those other agencies because homeland security is of course important the state department has to do the visas the Department of Labor, of course, would be involved, but the USDA should oversee it. It needs to be much more transparent, much more flexible, much faster, and it needs to scale up to be able to handle a million or more workers, which the current programs are so locked into bureaucracies and processes that aren't adequately resourced that they couldn't do that. Brett Gasparini, we want to thank you for taking time to be with us today here on Open Mic. Very informative on a very important issue. Uh, it is Open Mic, and so the audience is yours. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you first uh, and, and your organization for the opportunity for NCAE to be heard to all of your listeners. And I invite all of, I invite you and all of them to contact me and talk one-on-one -on -one and learn more. I guess I would like to just remind you what my message to uh, Congress and to those who have easy, quick fixes to this issue that say, well, it's too bad if agriculture doesn't get what it needs. It might be okay to play politics on many, many issues. But our agricultural workforce issue cuts the very core of America's global competitiveness. It cuts the core of our food security and to the well-being of the American consumer. Yes, we could switch much of America's agriculture over successfully to mechanized crops, and the farmers would stay in business. They wouldn't have the same business. They wouldn't have as many of their family opportunities to build a bigger and bigger, more profitable business. But that would then leave us dependent on foreign producers for the food we eat every day. I remember the gas lines in the 70s, and I don't want to wait in lines. I don't want to see our children wait in lines for food. I think that's bad for America. It's certainly bad for our homeland security. And I like to remind our, our Congress people and our regulators that ag is indeed special, and we need a stable, predictable, and dependable workforce. And it's Congress's job to find the legislative ways for that to happen. We need our, our congressional representatives to do their job to get this done. And those of us in agriculture are just blessed to be in a business where we work with growing food, 
uh, it's, it's a calling more than a job, and we need our government to provide the structures so we can continue to do that and be the best agriculture in the world, as American agriculture is and has been. Our thanks to Frank Gasparini, Executive Vice President and CEO of the National Council of Agricultural Employers, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc., a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States, diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.